0: Hello, my name is Jack Buckley. I'm going to be interviewing Dr. Osborne today on behalf of the Education Committee for the Society of Neuroscience in Anesthesiology and Critical Care. Today we're going to be discussing the use of regional anesthesia for post-operative uh, craniology pain. Dr. Osborne is an Associate Professor of Anesthesiology at Albany Fine College of Medicine and is currently the Director of Neuroanesthesia at Monarch Neuro Medical Center. She has spent 30 years practicing neuroanesthesia in several teaching hospitals in New York City, and during the time has come to appreciate the value of providing regional anesthesia for craniality patients. Uh, She has published a review article on the topic and finds application for this technique in many patients. Uh, She has also given a talk on this topic at the most recent SNAC meeting on regional anesthesia. So, Dr. Osborne, why should we do regional anesthesia for cranial
1: Well, thank you for asking the question. And um, many people don't realize that we do this for many other types of procedures now in modern anesthesia. We provide local anesthesia for a little extra perioperative analgesia. And for craniotomies, this has a number of advantages, particularly when you're trying to ablate some of the hemodynamic effects that occur with, with pins and with incision, and, of course, with closure during craniotomy. This is not really a new technique. It was originally used by Harvey Cushing and Wilder Penfield in the days when general anesthesia was not considered very safe. So the advantages of of providing regional anesthesia is that we have supplemental analgesia. We might intraoperatively give a little less general anesthetic or perhaps less opioid, Uh, quite useful for procedures where you want a a rapid emergence, procedures such as stereotactic biopsies. And most importantly, we might be able to provide for postoperative pain relief and I think those are the the main reasons to do this.
0: Are there any types of neurosurgical procedures that regional anesthesia is especially
1: useful for? Uh, Yes. Uh, I learned to do regional anesthesia when I was asked to perform awake craniotomies. So if you're going to do some type of procedure where the patient must be awakened or is going to be semi-awakened, this is extremely useful. If you're doing functional neurosurgery, deep brain stimulation, it's very, very useful to have a, um, a regional anesthetic so that the patient remains comfortable and tolerating the head frame. If you're going to wake the patient up intraoperatively, you want to have them awaken into a comfortable state. And uh, certain types of patients might also benefit, uh, elderly patients in whom you want to really limit the amount of anesthetic. And patients, of course, with uncontrolled blood pressure, aneurysms are also quite um Uh, good cases for doing this
0: block. Dr. Osborne, when you are planning to do regional anesthesia, how do you decide which nerves to block?
1: Well, it all depends on location. As I learned from my surgeons, uh, location, 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 and of course positioning. So if I know where the surgery is going to be, I I try to basically make sure that I'm covering the area of the incision. So if it's going to be uh, a frontal craniotomy, I'm going to do both uh, superorbital nerves and try to get the, the nerves in the anterior part of the scalp. If it's going to be an occipital craniotomy, I'm going to make sure I get the greater occipital nerves. And depending upon your uh, the, the time and effort you want to take, uh, you can do the block prior to PINs, or you can do the block after the patient is in the the pin fixation. But it's all about covering the area where the incision is going to be made.
0: And then what type of local anesthetic would you recommend, and typically what are the volumes that are used?
1: Primarily I use, I have always used bupivacaine, generally 0.5% bupivacaine with or without epinephrine. And the volume can vary between 1.5 to 2.5 mLs at each nerve site. And so if you're doing an adult patient, you probably want to anesthetize uh, at least three nerves, and you rarely have to give more than uh, 10 to 20 mLs of 0.5% bupivacaine. That being said, there are those who like using ropivacaine, and I understand the duration for ropivacaine can be as long as 12 hours. Uh, What I've seen in my patients is about 6 to 8 hours with 0.5% bupivacaine. For pediatric patients or cases where you're going to infiltrate as well, uh, you can also use .25% bupivacaine. Can you
0: describe some of the expected complications of regional anesthesia for craniotomies?
1: Uh, there haven't been that many described, but the one that I have experienced, uh, several times is if you're not very careful performing the, uh, auriculotemporal nerve, you can, you can transiently block the facial nerve and it's rather alarming if the craniotomy is very short and the patient wakes up with a facial droop. Uh, It will, of course, uh, return to normal function. The other complication that sometimes happens, once again transient, is if you block the superorbital and you're very low on the brow, the patient could have ecchymosis, a little bit of a black eye, or they might have a lid lag for about four to five hours. And, And that's a little annoying, especially if it's a functional procedure and the patient has to keep their eyes open. Uh, Some more serious complications, of course, are if you inject in a place where there is lack of bone. The patient has had a a craniotomy and there's a defect. Uh, I certainly have not experienced that, but it's been described that that could be a potentially bad complication if you inject into the brain. But for the most part, um, very few uh, um, complications have been described. Of course, we're always concerned about uh, anesthetic overdose, and you're watching very carefully for any signs of that.
0: So you, you mentioned the patients that have a skull defect, which obviously may not be a good candidate for a nerve block. Is there any other patients that you uh, would be concerned about doing the nerve block in?
1: Yes, I'd be concerned with someone with uh, coagulation defects, someone who's really known to be uh, potentially bleeding. I'd be concerned by hematoma in these patients. Any uh, area of the skin that has infection is certainly not an area in which I'd want to place a needle and local anesthetic.
0: Sure. And then, in your experience, are there any? What are the main barriers to performing these
1: blocks? Uh, the main barriers are time pressure and pre- being prepared. And uh, very often, it's a matter of finding that window of time, post induction and prior to pins, to to getting the block in. If you've timed it well. Uh, After induction, maybe while someone's placing an an arterial line or other other lines, you can try to do the block. It really takes about maybe six to eight minutes once you've got practice. And occasionally, some of the other barriers are surgeons. Surgeons don't often believe it's going to work, or they'll tell you, oh, you know, I'm going to infiltrate, so you don't need to do the block. And I guess the only barriers are, are surgeons not Wanting you to do it because they don't they don't trust you or they don't feel that there are advantages and just finding the time to do it. Sometimes I will let the patient um, get in position, get in pins, and then I'll block. and sometimes I've actually waited to the end of the case and blocked prior to emergence. and, and that's also quite a good uh, opportunity to provide analgesia. Well, Dr.
0: Osborne, I thank you very much for taking the time to speak to us and our members. I think this will be a very informative
1: talk um, that many of the members will find useful. Well, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure talking to you.